411-LIVE. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411-LIVE. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. The survivor has the courage to leave and escape the sex trafficker. Now what? Hello, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. We are an organization devoted to expanding the conversation and the awareness behind human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking, and the healing process from the trauma that it causes. Today, we are talking about housing and sex trafficking survivors. And we have a very special guest with us. And that is Carmen Petrie, who is the president and CEO of Sojourner Family Peace Center. And, you know, I I hesitate on that because I remember the different names. Right, exactly. And and then the organization coming together. Right. And what a great collaboration it it has been. You know, my honor to be here, Beverly. Uh, Thank you for these critical conversations. Yes, we have, um, you know, Sojourner Truth herself is our namesake. So we yeah. work uh, Sojourner Truth and Task Force on Family Violence, and then we merged 10 years ago to create Sojourner Family Peace Center. Yeah, and so. you have this new facility, and you have all these different in- entities within that one facility making it easier for, yes, ma'am. for mm-hmm. victims. So, I mean, you guys have grown leaps and bounds. We have grown uh, by... As you said, leaps and bounds, 26% increase in the last five years in client demand. We're at uh, 11,884 people last year, 12,000 the year before. Um, and we've had, we have well over 90, 95,000 contacts with those people each year. So we're very privileged and fortunate. We're, we're the big orange building on the corner of Sixth and Walnut. And it's a co located model of service, which is trying to make uh, access to services easier for people mm-hmm. who've been hurt in our community. It's working. It's working. But the need is growing too, right? Yeah. it's uh, You know, we've had a bad start to this year so far as, as I believe we've had 20 homicides in the city and about 10 of those have been domestic violence or DV related. And so there's a lot of hurt and harm in our community and a lot of work to do. Uh, I've, I've called it a state of emergency. I agree. Um, I don't know what else to call it. And we have a lot of work to do, and we're not going to get there unless we collaborate and partner with each other. And so it's my honor and delight to be here to have this conversation with you. We're talking about, you know, you specialize in domestic violence. Right. And we're focused on sex trafficking. And people think, okay, that's that and that's right. that. They're, right. they're separate. But a lot of times they they're co-mingle. Not, right. They're not separate. You know, we often think of domestic violence, sexual assault, child abuse, trafficking as separate entities or disciplines, and there's great overlap between all of them. For years, women have said to us, yes, he forces me to do things. He takes me to Chicago or he'll fly me out to California and force me to perform these sex acts uh, for money or uses force or coercion. So we have known that women have faced this, and there's great overlap and uh, vulnerability Mm -hmm. for women and kids in our community. And also the same tactics that abusers use are the same that traffickers use. Yes. Right? So they groom their victims. They uh, intimidate. They use force. They use episodic violence. And so I I see it as one uh, entity in our community that has different facets or faces. So I was talking in, in the intro. You know, she's decided to get away from that sex trafficker. Right. And then it's... Okay, 
what is this new life? Mm-hmm. So where do I live? How do I get the basic needs? Where mm-hmm. do I go? I want to emphasize what you said. She's decided to leave. I think we underappreciate how much courage it takes to leave mm-hmm. when you're in a harmful violent situation with anyone. Um, And so I think we have to say, you know, why aren't we able to do better for people when they have the courage to say, I'm ready to get out? We need to be there differently. Um, So she does decide to leave. And you're right, housing is um, not available to many people in our community in a way that they can afford and sustain in their lives. Um, And so at Sojourner, we provide 24-hour you know, we have a, a shelter, Sojourner Truth House, and trafficking victims are welcome. Both, And we also started uh, sheltering men at the beginning of this year in okay. January. So women and men are now able to come and get safe housing for 30, 60, 90 days, depending on their individual case. But then what, right? Yeah. So they have crisis housing. But then it's very difficult for us to help them achieve stability in the, in their housing. I see this as um, connected to lack of basic needs and meeting basic mm-hmm. needs in our community. People don't have enough food. We have food insecurity. We've known that for years. Housing is a piece of it. You know, women come to, to Sojourner and say, I need safety, but then I need to know where I'm going to lay my head right. and how I'm going to feed my kids. Right. And if I know I can go into this vulnerable situation and make money and take care of myself, it's very hard to get out of that if we don't have anything available for her and her family. Right. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about the um, the sheltering that you do provide. Mm-hmm. Well, we have 22 beds. We, you know, we had an old shelter on yeah, 33rd I, in Highland. And it was a beautiful four family duplex at 46 women. Uh, now we have a, a newly designed um, shelter. For instance, one of the differences, we, we don't use bunk beds anymore. In the old days, if you were injured or elderly and couldn't get on a top bunk, it was difficult for us to, to shelter you. We have a flat um, uh, housing uh, scheme or structure in the shelter. We have uh, 11 family rooms, mm-hmm. so we can take you know large families uh, with several kids. We have rooms that interconnect as you would find in a hotel. So if you have 10 kids, you could come. Oh, yeah, that's and, nice. Right? And yeah. um, then we have double rooms and single rooms. We have single rooms for women who are injured or elderly or need more quiet uh, if they need that to heal. So we have a different uh, configuration of rooms. And then we have lots of on-site partners who are available to provide services to women uh, outside of the shelter, and they don't have to get in a, get on a bus. In the old days, we'd have to give you bus tickets to go down uh, to get some workforce development or some information or counseling. And we provide that just on the other side of the door. So I feel grateful for the partners who are co-located. Mm-hmm. One of them is Core El Centro. They do Reiki massage and acupuncture. Oh, wow. Free of charge for our clients. So you can get access to m- mindfulness, movement, NIA classes, uh, peace and healing support groups. So there's an array of services. In the shelter, we also have a computer lab available. Goodwill, who's on site, provides workforce development services. You can search the computer for housing or, or work, um, work uh, resources if you need them. We have a large uh, cafeteria mm-hmm. and two living rooms and a peace room. and So it's just larger and bigger. I think more comfortable and uh, beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is beautiful because I've been there. We, you were talking about the basic needs, you know, 
you know, the shelter and all that. What can we as a community do? I mean, where are we? What what needs to be done? Well, I don't think it's fair of us to say to people, leave, 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 and then we have nothing available, right? So many of our clients come in. Uh, our families can't make it through the month without some sort of food support. So um, I think we have to look at how resources are being deployed and access to those resources in the community. We need to look at any barrier that might be uh, uh, in the way for families to get um, safe housing, deal with food needs, um, and uh, their own well-being. So for us, we do provide all of those support services as much as we can. We're not a, a food agency that, you know, has a food pantry. Right. So we try to build, we have some food on site. We give out groceries. Uh, we give out gift cards. Mm -hmm. We have a client emergency fund. And sometimes when we have volunteer groups, we ask them for gift cards or bus tickets so we can give them to clients who are in a state of emergency. So we try to do what we can at Sojourner. As a community, um, I do think we have to look at deployment of resources and access in our community. Yeah. You know, we were talking about sex trafficking, I think, on the phone when I was talking to you. And we were talking about... Um, the predators mm -hmm. that are after mm -hmm. after our kids. Right. I had a woman uh, say to me this past week she was uh, in was a victim and now a survivor of trafficking. And she she called these men vultures mm. who prey upon that's a good uh, term other people. I, I I agree. I think it is. And and what we need to understand is this: it's intentional. They are looking for vulnerable people to groom and bring into this cycle of trafficking. So it's intentional. They groom and, you know, they do it in a variety of ways. They promise false work, you know, work opportunities. Uh, it can begin as a romantic relationship. And right. then uh, the survivors moved into horrible situations. Um, so it could start out as a dating situation. Sometimes a trafficker will get uh, other young women our friends to recruit others mm -hmm. um, into um, into a trafficking situation, and some people are born into trafficking. We have whole families that participate in trafficking other human beings, which is kind of unimaginable to that me. That is so sad, right? It so is. within that family, they're trafficking right their own family members, family members, other girls, uh, recruiting and trafficking. Mm. So it is it is a business. And um, we do have people who are looking for others who are vulnerable, which is why we need to be connected to our young people. You know, they go out to malls and situations, and they look for the young person who's isolated by mm -hmm. themselves, lonely by themselves. They start to pay attention, and they start to uh, groom that young person. We have to be uh, connected to our young people uh, so that they are close to us and that we have relationships with them where they can talk to us about what they're feeling um, so that they don't become, uh, you know, connected to these people who want to prey upon them. Right. And we need to have these conversations about them, ab ab about the workings of these predators, how they operate. Absolutely. So that they can recognize some of this stuff when it's happening. Absolutely. You know, we need to help parents heal. We need to heal ourselves as mm -hmm. adults so we can show up there for our kids. And then we need to make opportunities available for our young people to speak about the challenges that they're facing. And we need to prepare them as they grow older for being healthy adults. And there are too many of our kids who are growing up uh, believing and seeing that violence is a normal behavior. 
right? And so um, when violence happens in your life, you get wounded, and that wound stays there, and you're looking for healing. Another, you know, a trafficker could take advantage of that. If you're isolated, lonely, afraid, sad, they could make promises to you or connect with you in a way that nobody else has. And, um, you know, we need to heal ourselves and heal our, our, and hold our children close so that they're strong and healthy and, not, and are not available for these vultures. It's, it's so sad that we have to have these conversations uh, with our kids mm -hmm. to let them know that this is out there. That boyfriend... Be mindful of I it, agree. you know, be aware. I agree. It's frightening to me that there are other human beings that are looking for vulnerabilities mm -hmm. and are looking for opportunities to hurt others. Um, but we have to be real about it and tell the truth about it if we want to stand a chance of protecting our kids and our communities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine some of the stories that you've heard. We have heard, um, you know, a lot of hurt and harm at Sojourner. A lot of people who come in uh, wounded uh, into the center. All of us, I think, in the society we live in are, you know, there, there are incredible things happening around us. Um, so at Sojourner, we try to, you know, provide love and dignity and respect and give uh, opportunities for people to heal themselves and own their own healing. Mm -hmm. You know, as an organization, we don't own trauma or healing. We just try to create space for you to um, figure out what healing and well-being looks like for you for and you. your own kid, yeah. your own kids, yeah. and I we hear a lot of people. Uh, you know, there's a lot of mental health challenges, a lot of things people have had to do to survive, AODA, alcohol and drug abuse, and we need opportunities for people to heal from that uh, and find themselves, or you know, through that healing process. Yeah. So it's hard work, but. Um, we're grateful to be able to do it in the space we're in. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. man, you are in there, in the trenches all the time. We I mean, are. I see you on TV, <laughs> you know, all the time doing interviews about yeah. all these. Because so many uh, really, really traumatic, sad stories are coming out in our community. I just hung a, a copy of the Declaration of Human Rights. And uh, there, are, there have been a lot of hard stories, heartbreaking stories. Some of the worst that I have seen in my entire career and, you know, there are days where I think, wow, it's so hard to believe in light when dark things happen. You know, when the young yeah. woman and her two babies were murdered and That's we had a hard. woman set on fire the week before and just, you know, like, as I said, the 10 homicides. But I refuse, I refuse to let, um, to let my belief in the light go. Uh, I believe that we have to keep that light uh, for uh, lit for everyone who needs it and who's hurt in our community. There are, there are hard days, and I know that the people who are heartbroken, heartbroken need us to hold space for them yep. or else all is lost. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, I have, I have, uh, we've been talking about a four-pronged four plan. Um, I will also say nothing happens in isolation, right? Yeah. We need this work happening everywhere in our community, not just at the corner mm -hmm. of Six and Walnut. And there's you know, a place for everybody. Right. There's ASHA Family Services. There's, there's Latino Resource Center. There's Hmong American Women's Association, um, Diverse and Resilient. We need everyone in our community talking about trafficking, the ways that people want to prey upon our vulnerable amongst us. The other thing that survivors say is, you know, trafficking is right here in plain sight. It's not always someone locked up right. in chains, right? They are among us. They're serving us in our nail, nail parlors, our massage yeah. 
parlors, uh, the grocery sh- stores we shop in, the restaurants we're in. Um, there and there are those who are purchasing sex, and they're you know young women and men who are forced to stand on the street and perform commercial sex. There's forced labor. So I think we need to be courageous enough to open our eyes to say this this could be right here around me, and what do I need to know to step in? Excellent. Mm-hmm. Hold that thought. We're going to take a break, um, and we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about you referenced the four-prong approach, and we want to get into all of that. If you have uh, suggestions, comments, or whatever, send them our way, because we're really interested to know what you are thinking. So stay with us. We'll be right back. The 411 Live, your link to information. And now, here's your food for thought. Why is he talking to you like that? Private. As parents, we all want to give our kids space, but how often do we consider their phone conversations or their social media accounts? As much as it may annoy them, occasionally monitoring their profiles isn't a bad idea. The world of sex trafficking is a lot more alluring than you may think. Anyone can be vulnerable to the tricks used to exploit millions of girls and boys each year. It's a horrifying experience, and it isn't easy to talk about. Well, I always keep my eyes open. It's never too early to educate your kids on the issue of sex trafficking. For more information, visit the411live.org. What do you think of when you hear intercourse for money? What do you think of when you hear exploitation of your body? What pops in your mind when you hear young boys and girls being sold for sex? Do you think of sex trafficking? You should. What movie do you see when you think of someone being kidnapped to become a product? Oh, come on now. We all know what we think of. It's that film and that father who had to go all the way overseas to rescue his daughter. But wait, that's not just happening overseas. Try here, the United States of America. Try here, the state of Wisconsin. Try here, the city of Milwaukee. Unknown to many, the Harvard School of Pimps in their holy training ground. Young girls and boys are being solicited at an average age of 13 years old. Didn't know that, did you? Research and learn the signs of sex trafficking because you just might not know when your child's newest lover is their soon-to-be pimp. For more information, visit the411live.org. Welcome back. I'm here having a conversation with Carmen Petrie with Sojourner Family Peace Center. We're talking about housing and sex trafficking survivors. A lot to talk about, especially with the housing um, element. You were mentioning different housing Mm -hmm. concepts. Mm -hmm. You know, years ago, uh, Victor Barnett from Running Rebels mentioned to me, he said, you know, Carmen, if I had a house, I could put a mentor in each house and I could stabilize that whole block. Mm. And I think that that's a concept. You know, I think Victor's brilliant. And I think that that um, idea has a lot of merit. We should be looking at our neighborhoods that need some stability and then moving in mentor families or mentor individuals who can get their housing for free. Yeah. You know, we should be investing in rehabbing our housing in the city in a wide-scale way. We should be looking at every property that is boarded up or needs transformation and be investing in those. And there are a lot of them. There are a lot. And then moving in people who are already doing community work and give them free housing like and let that. them stabilize that block, right? And so the other concept that we've been uh, looking at, we have no transitional housing for survivors of domestic violence who we shelter or trafficking in our shelter. We, uh, the Y used to have a program and Daystar, but they have since closed their doors. Um, we just met um, and talked to a group about starting something that I'm, I took a phrase from John Chisholm, restorative housing. 
moving people into same concept uh-huh. in a pod where you share a kitchen, but you have your own private uh, sort of apartment, but you have an individual who, who would receive free housing and mentor those individuals 24 hours a day, oh, wow. be available, and that would be their job. You know, they would have a number, maybe eight to 10, sort of like the old college dorm concept. Yes. Right. I think we need to support people who are activists in our community in some basic ways and let them do the magic that they do. Connect with other people. Right. We're going to be exploring that concept around Sojourner and how we might be able to make that happen. Because Um, you talk about the, the cost but the money you would be saving. Absolutely. Be Quality sh- of life. Oh, yeah. You know, we would be mentoring individuals. So, you know, we know I, I've been looking at the opioid and alcohol and drug abuse problem for a couple, couple of years. And I said uh, at a meeting, you know, people call in the middle of the night. They call the drug dealer because the drug dealer answers and they need mm. that. Right. We need programs that are innovative, that are 24 hours, that have easy access in neighborhoods, in a community-based way. Um, And so I think we have to, that's what I meant when we have to look at how resources are deployed and actually support people creating innovation. That's uh, good. And ownership at that community base. Because if I need you Friday night, I don't want to wait until Monday. Right, and I come forward and say, I'm ready for therapy, I'm ready for healing, I need some help. And then I tell you, well, there's a six-week waiting list or I don't have shelter for you now. So I think we need uh, to be looking at every asset we have and how we might use that in an innovative way and partner with activists who are already holding the city together at the neighborhood level and supporting them and paying them uh, for the work that they do. This is a concept I heard out of New York. Well, this is great. So uh, this idea, this concept, I mean, Mm -hmm. are you sending it up the pike? Uh, some of our city leaders, congressmen, uh, or I, not congressmen, but um, aldermen, county supervisors, yeah, mayor. I'm always talking to somebody. <laughs> I'm trying to influence somebody all the time. Uh, you know, we're coming up with a, a what I'm calling a four-prong platform at Sojourner. And, um, you know, we, we just talked with uh, some of the hillside folks uh, who live, who are our neighbors, and what their plans. We're partnering with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm willing to talk to anyone who, uh, who wants an idea, um, that, that that's about trying to move us forward. So for, for us, the four prong plan is first about these basic needs and it would, would include for us, it's an unrelenting, um, push towards safety, right? We cannot afford to not have people safe in our communities. Yeah. So we have to be unrelenting in our approach. So we have a high-risk team. We have some resources that we do. And just right under safety is this basic needs conversation. Food and housing have to be absolutely available for people in new ways. And then employment opportunities. We have lots of people who are working two and three jobs just to sustain themselves. Right. So we need to look at employment, underemployment. So that's the first prong, safety and basic needs. The second is uh, a laser focus on children who are experiencing violence because violence doesn't just happen out of nowhere. It comes from people believing and learning and understanding and thinking that it's normal. How does that happen? We're born into families and we see and are learning that violence is a strategy that works. That's good. And it's not to say that adults are bad people. 
um, we have to heal ourselves, as I said earlier, so we show up differently for our kids. Mm -hmm. And we need to do both at the same time. But we have to have a different approach to children who've witnessed violence. Or we're going to be forever generationally in this problem. So there's several things we're doing at Sojourner, and we want to do more for kids. Education, awareness, mm -hmm. engagement for young people. Uh, there's a couple of things we did with the police department. We just produced a trauma the children, Domestic Violence and Trauma brochure that the Brewers Community Foundation printed. We have 30,000 copies, 10, um, 10 we've already given away in two months. We want everybody to be thinking about kids and trauma and how we can help them heal and not grow up believing that it's okay to hurt somebody you right. love, right. that love and violence go together. The third for us is mental health and well-being. There are so many people who come to Sojourner who have mental health challenges. You can't be a human being that's hurt and not have problems. And so for us, it's about well-being, but it's also about making space for mental health issues, depression, sadness, grief. Mm -hmm. All of that gets anchored in your nervous system. So many of our clients come in anxious. Just coming into the building helps their blood pressure go down. Helps them. I had a woman say in a meditation class, this is the first time I've ever felt calm. Wow. I've never felt that before. So mental health and well-being. Mm -hmm. And then the, the fourth is community engagement. We need neighbors talking to neighbors. We need preachers teaching about this, teachers, every business leader. Everyone has a role to play if we're going to get out of the state of emergency. So we're flushing out that plan. That's huge. That's huge. It may be, you know, I'll retire before we finish. But <laughs> uh, I think we, you know, as I said, have a state of emergency and we need, we need, so for us, this is our strategic platform We'll be rolling it out and talking about it. Yeah, within the community, if we can make those things um, common, commonplace, you know, talking to our neighbor and seeing where they are, what they need, right. sharing, right. that would go a long way in right. the healing process. Right. It made me think of that Tupac line that says, how can the devil take a brother if he's close to me? Mm. Um, That's good, yeah. And then something else, when you were talking about the children, I was talking to uh, somebody just not too long ago, mm -hmm. uh, maybe on one of the other podcasts, and we were talking about uh, dealing with children and discovering that they haven't left that few, those few blocks where they live. Right. They're not exposed. Right. There's some research um, I've been well, people in Milwaukee are stuck in place, mm -hmm. right? You get stuck in a neighborhood and you're not allowed to get out. And yeah. it's it's beyond, you know, it's it's incredible to me that we live in a city where there are some people and kids who have never been down to the lakefront. Right. Right? Right. Yeah. Have never been to the south side yeah. or some people have never gone from the south side to the north side. Mm -hmm. And you have to ask questions about that. That's not what? right. Right. It is not right. How does that happen? And why aren't we all yeah. disturbed by that and trying to tear those barriers down? Right. Because that makes us all, all of us, less safe. Because when you're talking about the kids and being exposed to the, when you're just right there in that little pod that you live in right right around, it is commonplace. That's your universe. That's your universe. Right. So you need to know that. That's right. not normal. Right. Yeah. And that the world is big. The world is big. And that we all deserve. The reason I hung the Universal Declaration of Human Rights is 
we all as human human beings, Article 3 says to, that we have the right to live in safety and security mm-hmm. just by being born. It shouldn't be determined by your zip code or That's right. the family you were born into or how much money you have or don't have or re- what religion you practice. We all have the right to safety and security, every single one of us. The problem... Um, you know, the, the other thing about violence uh, and the work that we do is there's this intersection of racism, classism, and sexism that come together and hold place, violence in place. And we need, to, um, we need to work at tearing down, and it's hard to say in the culture we live in. I don't even know if it's effective to say racism anymore. I often say the hatred of black and brown people, the hatred of poor people, yeah. and the hatred of women that kind of intersect to create toxicity in people's lives. And so, uh, you know, we're dealing with all of that. It's not just about let's stop violence. Why do we live in the city we live in and, and have such poor outcomes, right? We have to change that. Right, right. And partner together to change it. Is that becoming easier, do you think, the partnering? Um, I, you know, at Sojourner, we have 14 co-located partners. I think partnering is always hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're always having to work as people to show up for each other and with each other mm-hmm. um, and put our egos aside, you know, for all of us. None of us are exempt from that. I think it is easier. I think Sojourner is one model. I think there are other platforms that people are partnering on and, and partnering in, in ways that they're partnering. I think it, sh- it needs to be easier. We need more and deeper pe- partnership. And that's for Sojourner ourselves. You know, I... I Met with two uh, women from Word of Word of uh, Hope Ministries this week who wanted to talk to Sojourner and and I'm going out to see their building. We need Sojourners co-located models everywhere in this community, right? And yeah. I need to be invested in their well-being as much as I'm invested in Sojourner's well-being. So we're starting to explore that community engagement pieces. How can we support other groups and other people in engaging in the work they want to do? Mm-hmm. to stop violence in the community. Mm-hmm. It's not about Sojourner doing everything. Right. You know, Sojourner needs to be healthy, but we need other organizations, Black Health Coalition, ASHA, LRC. Um, and we need to be looking at safe and sound, how we're, how we're going door to door with each other. So I think partnership is easier, um, but not as easy as we think it is. Mm-hmm. And we need to do more of it. Okay. Because sometimes I, I wonder, do we, we step on each other, you know, there's all of this space. (laughs) That's because I think somebody's convinced us that there's not enough. Mm. There's enough. There's enough work for all of us to do, and there's enough money, and there's enough resources. But we keep living in this world where we're fighting over this little bitty piece of something. The same piece. The same piece, right? There's more than enough in the world we live in. We've just got to figure out how to get it and, and support each other in getting it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say Sojourner's been perfect at that. Uh, we're, we're learning and we want a partner. And so uh, the two women who came to me and said, you know, hey, we're doing some work here. We have some young women that don't want to come to Sojourner. I said, well, tell me about that. How can I understand that? Let me come see the building you're trying um, to work on. She's creating housing units, by the way. She's oh, got wow. 100 perfect. units. Um, and so I'm going to go out and bring some of our staff to take a look. And so if I do talk to a legislator or a public official, I need to be talking about her hundred units yeah. and the work she's trying to do, not just about what I'm trying to do at Sojourner. Yeah. And that's the next level of partnership we need to get to. Well, see, 
to me, that says a lot too, because there are so many organizations that are looking at themselves and trying to propel themselves, not saying we need this, they need this too. Right. I think it's because we have been put in this position where there's, you know, where we're believing or fighting for a small piece or believing that there's not enough. I like to live in a world where I believe that there's enough for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, the big, the, and also this work is not our work. There's a higher power yeah. that's guiding all of us. And I don't believe that that higher power wants us fighting over a quarter or five cents or some small piece. And I think, um, you know, in service to that, the work is bigger than us. And, you know, we just need to show up and do our part. Right. And uh, partnership is not only about working together. It's about trying to understand each other and love each other as well and respect each other. Absolutely. Do you guys need volunteers or take volunteers? Or? Absolutely. We, uh, <laughs> we have lots of roles for volunteers. Uh, you know, people can work on our hotline. They can volunteer in our children's program. They can do some administrative work. They can help with our support groups. We take time. What do they say? Time, treasure, and talent. Mm-hmm. Um, we have artists that have volunteered for us in the building. Um, we need practitioners. So there's there's lots of different ways people can do internships with and volunteer with us. If they, they're interested, what do mm-hmm. they do? They can call. look on our website. There's a Get Involved button. Press on that. An application will come up. Or they can call us at 276-1911. You're still engaged in all of this, right? Yes. You're going to stay in the fight, right? I'm going to stay in the fight. I, um, Yes, I am staying in the fight. <laughs> like I said, I believe, in, I believe in fundamental human rights. You know, I grew up in such a hard place as a kid. And I just, I'm, I want to go out. I want to end my life. Uh, knowing that I made a difference for other people. So there's just, there's still more work to do. You know, I got maybe another 10 years. Uh, I want to also, at this point in my life, understand what I was just talking about with partnership, right? How do I love people and help them in deeper and more meaningful ways? Excellent. I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad to be here. Good to see you. You too. You too. We'll have to um, stay in contact. Absolutely. Definitely. With some some little projects. All right. You've been listening to Carmen Petrie. Um, I'd like to call her a dear friend. I'm so proud of all the work that she's doing. And you've gotten the information on how you can become a volunteer. Uh, If you're interested, be sure and go to their website. Now I'll tell you, this is the 411 Live, and we are a nonprofit organization. If you are so inclined to help us out with a donation, go to our website, the411live.org. That's that's our web address. And you can find previous podcasts, video podcasts, uh, on different platforms, um, iHeart Radio Podcasts, uh, iTunes, you know, we're just about everywhere. Of course, the conventional Twitter, Facebook, and all of that, and YouTube. So I invite you to look at previous uh, podcasts. I think you'll be really impressed with some of the guests that we've had. And join us. Let us know what you're thinking, uh, your suggestions, your comments. Again, we really appreciate that, too. So I will say for now, this is Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live. Real people, real talk.